good day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm on team at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's, this week's sermon is entitled, Who's Forgiving Sins? And it focuses on Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Here's the reading. Mark chapter 2, 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take up your mat, and walk? But that you may know the son, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, have you ever uttered this phrase, I've never seen anything like this? Seven years ago, Kelly Murphy was filming herself snowboarding. Unbeknownst to Kelly, a bear saw her too and tried to attack her. It was only when she looked at the footage on her camera that she realized how close she came to being lunch. As humans, we love seeing things we've never seen before, but they really change, rarely, rarely change our lives. Today, Jesus does something so kind that it makes the crowd say, we have never seen anything like this. What Jesus does here is amazing. So amazing that it should change our lives. In Mark 2, we find ourselves back in Capernaum. Capernaum was a town on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. We last saw Jesus in the synagogue in Capernaum two weeks ago when Ian Harris preached about Jesus driving out a demon, and he challenged us to take Jesus seriously and honor his authority in our lives. Today, Jesus is back in Capernaum, but he isn't in the synagogue. He's in a house, probably Simon's mother's-in-law's house, and the place is pumping. Some there are gawkers wanting to see Jesus pull tricks. Some are sick and want to be healed. Others are disciples wanting to hear Jesus teach. Some are skeptics, critical of Jesus and his ministry. Last week, we saw how Jesus healed a man with leprosy, then told him not to tell anyone. So he did what all of us would do and told everyone. This is probably why Jesus can't go back to the synagogue. He's gone viral. He's too famous and opposition is rising. This passage marks the first of six confrontation stories in a row in Mark. Jesus does something amazing, but then someone attacks him for it. 
And this brings us to today's story, where some friends let their mate down through the roof. In verse 3 we read, Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Can you imagine being one of the friends? You've carted your mate from miles away to see Jesus, and when you get to the place, there's no room. The people in the crowd glare at you and tell you to shh, but when you try to get through, they push you back. You want to help your friend, but there's no way through. As you start thinking about going home, your mate says, I've got an idea. You make your way up the side stairs, onto the roof, and then begin digging through the thatching. Eventually, you can see into the room below, and the people inside stare up at you. You've disturbed the preacher, and you're breaking down a stranger's house. The original language literally reads, they unroofed the roof. These friends are desperate, desperate to help their mate. No barrier, no obstacle, no amount of public pressure will keep them from bringing their friend to Jesus. They love him, and through the roof they lower him down at Jesus' feet. There's something in this for us. We need to ask ourselves, do we love the people in our lives enough to bring them to Jesus? Are we so determined to see our friends find healing in Jesus that we'll overcome any obstacle to see this happen? Good friends bring their friends to Jesus. And what Jesus does next is shocking. He sees the friend's faith and simply says in verse 5, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now it seems seems clear to everyone except Jesus that this man isn't here for forgiveness. You can almost imagine him lying there going, "Mm, Thanks Jesus, that's nice, but it's my pins, not my sins I'm worried about. And yet this is Jesus' point. As people, we think we know what we want, but the deepest human need isn't good health, money, or success. It's a relationship with God. And while on the surface, it looks like paralysis is this man's deepest problem, Jesus goes deeper. You see, sin is the source of this man's suffering, of all suffering. Now, I'm not saying it's karma, or that a particular juicy sin is the reason why this man, why this man is suffering. Many people in the crowd would have thought that this man's suffering was because of his sins or his parents' sins, but not Jesus. The reason the Bible gives for suffering and chaos in our world isn't a design fault, it's sin. The reason we have natural disasters, wars, cancers, disability, and suffering in general is because of sin. Sin has broken the perfect relationship between creation and creator. And this is why bad things happen to good people while the wicked seem to prosper. Sin in general is the cause of chaos and suffering in our world. Jesus diagnoses this man's deepest human need. And it's not the ability to play at the Australian Open. It's forgiveness. Now while this man's needs are clear to Jesus, everyone else is confused. The most confused group are a little group of religious lawyers sitting there judging Jesus. In verse 7, they think to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? These guys are right and they're wrong. 
No one has the right to totally forgive you of all your sins except God. Imagine you're walking down the street with a friend, and I come and punch you in the mouth. Then, while you're clutching your jaw, your friend says, That's all right, David. I forgive you. That's not forgiveness, and that's not justice. I've sinned against you, and your friend doesn't have the authority to forgive me. These teachers of the law think Jesus is a mere man, forgiving another man for sins he's committed against God. But this is where they're wrong. Jesus isn't just a man. He's God in the flesh. The reason he can heal, the reason why he can hear people's thoughts, the reason why he can forgive sins is because Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, the Holy One of God, the Messiah himself. And this is why Jesus says in verse 8, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk? Now, I must confess, I don't know the knockdown answers to Jesus' question. It's a rhetorical question. It's there to make you think. On the other hand, it's easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven, than it is for me to restore a paralyzed person. And yet for Jesus, he can heal the man with just a word. To forgive this man, he must go to the cross. Jesus will go to the cross to die in this man's place, to pay for his forgiveness. Jesus will be betrayed, beaten and killed so that this man's deepest human need can be met. This is glorious. But at this point, the poor paralyzed man is still lying at Jesus' feet. The friends haven't gotten what they came for, and Jesus' enemies still think he's full of nonsense. And this is why what Jesus says next is so powerful. Look at verse 10. Jesus says, so that you, so, you, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. The man gets up, takes his mat, and walks home in full view of the whole room. How awesome is that? Jesus has just demonstrated his power, not only to heal, but to forgive. Imagine for a ro- moment if Jesus had healed the man's body first. He might have got up then and there and gone home to his family, hugged his kids, kissed his wife, and spent the next 30 or so years working a good job and living his best life. But then at the end, without the forgiveness of God, he would have died and gone to hell, locked outside of God's goodness for eternity. Instead, Jesus forgives, then heals. The two go hand in hand. And because of that, This man has spent the last 1950 or so years in God's presence. Who is Jesus? He is the one who can forgive us and wash our sins away. Friends, the truth is, we're all like this paralyzed man. We come to Jesus wanting all sorts of things, and given time, he'll give us all we truly need. But first and foremost, he has to deal with our sin. It's easy to see the paralyzed man and think, well, good for him. But I hope you see that Jesus wants to do this for you. Jesus has authority on earth to forgive sins, and this is our deepest human need. I love the crowd's reaction to this healing. Verse 12 says, This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. 
This is phenomenal. Whether the crowd knows it or not, they're doing something profound. Jesus heals the man with his words, but it's God who gets the glory. What does this say about Jesus? Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus has the authority to forgive us, and he'll do so when we come before him in faith, hope, and love. Bishop J.C. Ryle says it like, like this. No angel in heaven, no man upon earth, no church in council, no minister of any denomination can take away from the sinner's conscience the load of guilt and give him peace with God. Without an atoning priest, there can be no peace of soul. Jesus Christ is the very priest we need, mighty to forgive and pardon, tender-hearted and willing to save. Friend, have you taken hold of this forgiveness? Do you want to do so for the first time? Or is it time you asked for his forgiveness again? Let's turn our hearts to God now and ask for his forgiveness and healing today. God of forgiveness and healing, we thank and praise you for your power in our lives. We recognize that we come to you with open hands, with nothing to give and with broken hearts on account of the things that we've done against you in thought, word, and deed, and the things we've failed to do. Please, forgive us, cleanse us, heal us, and change us. Mold us into the likeness of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.